I thought everyone was going to be switched off when they said I was a West Ham fan. <laughs> but then remembered we are a West Ham church, so it's very good. <laughs> yeah, so you've heard I'm Scott Taylor, I'm one of the pastors, and I'm on the staff team. I just want to just mention before I get into preaching this morning, just to say, if you're not yet baptized, then baptism is your next step. I'm not going to beat around the bush, okay? Baptism is your next step. And when I say baptism, I mean full immersion in water. As Jesus did it himself, so we need to follow his example. So if you're not yet baptized, we've got a baptism course coming up on the 3rd of July. That's a Sunday evening. It's going to be at 7.30. And on, the, on Sunday, the 17th of July, we're going to be baptizing you in the Thames. All right? Probably the best moment to get baptized in church life. It's the only, once a year we do it. And you might be thinking, it's the Thames, it's dirty, it's horrible. Do you know the Jordan River was absolutely disgusting at most places where people got baptized? But they went in the river trusting God, not trusting health advice and all that kind of stuff. I'm not saying we're not careful, (laughs) all right? But we have baptized in the river before and had no problems. So that's your next step. Your next step, if you're not yet baptized in water, is to be baptized in water. If you've got any questions about that, queries about that, find me at the end, we can discuss it then. And then you can come along on July the 3rd. Is that good? Are we all right? That, come on. Listen, the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here. Not the Spirit of lethargy. Not the Spirit of British stiff upper, upper lip. Not the Spirit of fear or timidity. The Spirit of sonship is here. The Spirit of God is amongst us. During worship... There was a moment where I knew I had to go back and pray for someone that I'd seen at the beginning. At that same moment, one of my fellow elders, David, felt the same prompting for the same person. We go back, we pray. Why? Because the Spirit of God is here. It wasn't a good idea. Me and David hadn't thought, had a little conversation before and said, by the way, during worship, but about so-and-so time, shall we go back? The Spirit of God came upon us and we go back and we pray for people. That's happening at the back of the room as much as it's happening at the front of the room. The Spirit of God is here. Can you look at someone and just say, the Spirit of God is here. We're in the middle of this series on what it is to be a community of the Spirit. Not a ones or twos of the Spirit. A community of the Spirit. We're very clever in the West. I'm completely off piste here. I'm really sorry. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to preach what's on my heart. In the West, we're very clever. We have worked out that some of us are introverts and some of us are extroverts. We have worked out what our preferences are and we like to live within those preferences. Why do we think that God doesn't know about those things? If we're extroverts, we assume everyone else is an extrovert. We're like, yeah, we're loud. I'm Scott. Hello. Great to see you this morning. Andy bounds up this morning in his orange and very bright top. And Hello, I'm here. And the extroverts in the room are going, ooh. And then there's a moment where we're going to read scripture and then we're going to turn to one another and the extroverts are going, that's not my preference. I feel really uncomfortable now. Please don't do this to me. Do you know you're not an introvert or an extrovert? You're a son and daughter of the living God. And you are full of the Holy Spirit. Yes, you have a preference, but we don't design church so you feel uncomfortable or majorly comfortable. When the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, he came in power 
And whether they were introverted or extroverted, they all spoke in tongues. They all felt or heard the mighty wind that was blowing. They all kind of cascaded out into the street. And their praise and their worship was bubbling out of them, not because they were an extrovert, but because the Spirit of God was upon them. This isn't in my notes. This is all free. We're We're here till one today. I get up and I say a couple of comments and there's death in the, deathly silence in the room. I'm not looking for amens and, and, and hallelujahs to make me feel good. Spirit of God's moving in this place. And I don't believe the Spirit of God goes, right, you're all British, so that means that's all just a nod, a nod affirms things. I'm going to nod now. You're probably online, there you go, and I'm nodding now. I'm not telling us off if we're introverted. I'm not telling us off if we're quiet. I just want to make the point. The Spirit of God is here. And the Spirit of God is no respecter of our preference. But he knows how we're made. You're not going to be as loud as I am. Come on. I mean, I'm a pale reflection of Andy. It's not about being loud. It's about knowing the Spirit. Amen? Okay. So we're in a series about being a community of the Spirit. (laughs) Second paragraph. (laughs) We've looked at who the Spirit is. We've looked at what He does. We've looked at the power that comes. We've looked at what it is to pray and worship as a community of the Spirit. Andy unpacked. 1 Corinthians 12 last week helped us see that it's not about, you know, what's more important. It's about the fact that the gifts of the Spirit, they're grace gifts to us. Not spiritual gifts, but gifts of grace. The gifts, but they're of grace. And, and he said that I'm going to talk on tongues and prophecy today. And so that's what I'm going to do. I am going to speak on tongues and prophecy. I'm going to look at 1 Corinthians 14. We're, I'm going to give some pointers, but... I want to make room at the end for the Spirit just to move. Can you just put your hands up in the room if you know you speak in tongues? Just put your hands up. Just put it up. Don't worry about what's next to you. Can you higher? Put it up in the air. You know, you, nothing to be embarrassed about, right? So you speak in tongues. That's brilliant. Okay, maybe three quarters of the room. I believe many of you that didn't put your hand up will end up speaking in tongues this morning. Not because there's anything magic in what we're going to say, but I'm hoping we're just going to blow some cobwebs away and the Spirit is just going to do something. So we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. I'm going to ignore the rest of what I had to say there. Can we put it up? And we're going to read through that now. 1 Corinthians 14, 1 to 5. Paul has, to say, has this to say to the Corinthian church. He says, pursue love. Pursue love. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, 
but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets that the church may be built up. Father, I pray this morning that we will be a community of your spirit. That we will be those who know what it is to have prophecy on a regular basis. To hear from you what you've got to say. That we will be those who are open to prophesying ourselves. But we would also be those who know what it is to have this remarkable gift of speaking in tongues. I pray this morning, would you meet with us as you have already? Would you encounter different ones this morning in ways they didn't even think was possible? Not because of any clever words that I've got, but because that's your gift to them. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I find it interesting that as Paul starts this, so just to put this into context, he's talking about being in worship. These are moments when the church gathers from 12 through to 14. It's about when the church gathers. It's these Sunday moments. It's your Wednesday evening life groups. It's when we gather together as, as prayer, uh, on prayer group. You know, we still pray on a, put your hand if you knew we still pray on Sunday evenings online. Could you just put your hand if you knew that? Come on, I'm doing a hands up thing here. Could you just put, do you, you didn't know. Some of you didn't know. We pray, that would explain why we don't get many screens, right? Okay. Let me tell you, we pray on a Sunday evening at 8 o'clock on Zoom. All of you are invited. Can you look at someone around you and say you're invited? <laughs> Blessing, you're going to be delighted with this advert, right? Okay. We pray, 15 or 20 of us, we pray, I'm just saying, we pray on a Sunday evening, everyone's invited. 8 o'clock. See you tonight, yeah? Brilliant. When we gather, we expect the gifts of the Spirit to be working amongst us. This is what Paul is speaking to. As we gather, these are the things we expect. All right? But interesting, at the beginning of 14, as he comes back round to it, he says, pursue love. He's just had a whole chapter in, in chapter 13 about the fact that uh, if we've got these gifts and we don't do them in love, what's the point of having the gifts anyway? I can put out a chair on a Sunday morning, but if I'm grumpy about it, what is that for the goodness of God? For the glory of God. But if I put a chair on a Sunday morning and go, do you know what? I'm creating the environment this morning where I know people are going to come in and they're going to meet with the living God. I'm so delighted to be able to put that chair out this morning. That's in love. God sees that and he goes, yes. And we've got an amazing team that do that every single week here. Thank you. Can we just give them a round of applause in the room? <laughs> Paul says, pursue love. First and foremost, he's not even going to tongues and prophecy yet, pursue love. Why does he say this? I do wonder, has he got Jesus in his mind here? You know, Jesus, the most gifted guy ever. Has he got Jesus in mind here? Jesus pursued love, didn't he? Can I get an amen? amen? He pursued love as he came from heaven to this earth, to a feeding trough for animals. That's pursuing love. He pursued love as he served his family as a carpenter for 30 years. He didn't come go, oh, I know, I'm the son of God. I just need to go out and do ministry. No, for 30 years, he served his family first. He loved them. Loved his local community. Built a business. Provided. Did all that was needed. He pursued love. Not position. Not authority. Love. He pursued love when he said... Uh, not when he started his earthly ministry, casting out demons, healing, raising the, the dead, preaching, teaching, setting captives free, breaking chains of slavery to sin. He was pursuing love. 
He pursued love when he said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not what my will, but yours. He's pursuing love. He pursued love as he experienced being mercilessly whipped across his back, legs, and backside. He pursued love as he uh, faced being taunted and mocked and spat upon as he was paraded out of the city of Jerusalem up to the place of his death. He pursued love as people nailed him to a cross, raised him up naked in front of everyone. And he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus pursued love. Let's get this right, friend. Jesus pursued love by going to his death. I'm guessing for most of us here, we need to do some work on pursuing love. If you're anything like me, you need to do some work on pursuing love. Love in your marriage. Love with your workmates. Love with the people that you live with. Love with your children. Love with your neighbors. Love with your wider family. You probably need to pursue love. I don't want to say this. To anyone in the room or online who isn't yet following Jesus, I urge you to pursue this love incarnate. Jesus came in the flesh to show us what love looks like. And I do hope for you that the rest of this preach about tongues and uh, prophecy is, is helpful, is interesting, might be enlightening. But what you need is not to understand tongues or prophecy. You need to know the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what you need to know. We used to ring a bell here at RFC, so like a handbell, every time someone became a Christian. We called it the bell of salvation. For a little while, I referred to us as RFC campanologists, those who might go out and seek the lost, and then when we come back and see one found, just as in heaven there is a celebration that we too will celebrate, we'll ring the bell, we'll tell everyone, come on, someone has stepped across that line of faith. We've lost something of that, but boy, is there an, a, a moment in heaven where there is great rejoicing when someone says, I will follow Jesus wherever he may take me. My wife, Fee, was reminded of that bell last night as she slept. And she said, and came and whispered to my ear this morning, she said, there's someone here who we would ring the bell for. If that is you, will you find me at the end? I want to hear from you. I want to speak to you. Jesus loves you. He pursued you as he went to the cross. Will you pursue him? And if you're online, can you let us know by contacting the office? If you've got my personal number and you're online, contact me and let me know you want to follow him. For the rest of us, let's be those who pursue, let's be those who pursue love. Then he goes on to say, eagerly desire. Eagerly desire. Have you ever eagerly desired something? You ever eagerly, I eagerly desired to be a dad. That's what I eagerly desired. Can you imagine my joy when Rachel turns up, my beautiful daughter, 13 years ago? But I eagerly desired, eagerly desiring for me wasn't like, oh, one day it might happen. Uh, I, I might be quite casual about this now. <laughs> eagerly desiring was praying, seeking, awkwardly doing something about it. Um, there was no better way of saying that. But, but you, we eagerly desired, maybe it wasn't the best illustration. <laughs> we eagerly desired. 
didn't just wait for something to happen to us. We put ourselves in the way of something happening. We eagerly desired. When Rachel really wanted her pair of Nike Air Jordans, boy, did she eagerly desire them. Do you know how I know? Because we knew about it. We, we were told about it. We were shown several websites, at least on a weekly basis, if not daily, where they were available. She eagerly desired. She researched. On an hourly basis. You're at school. How are you doing this? How were you? No. She eagerly desired. What are you eagerly desiring? Because he says, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Why does he want us to eagerly desire the spiritual gifts? He, doesn't, he, he wants us to desire these things, especially prophecy. It's not against the, either of these other gifts. Eagerly desire them, he says. Why? Because these are signs of the fact that God is in fact dwelling with his people. Listen, if we say we follow a supernatural God and everything we do can be explained away, how does that point to a supernatural God? Right? If I say to people, my God does miraculous things and we never see anything that is out of the ordinary, how have we got a miraculous God? People are very comfortable in their lives. They can, they can, go, and get, they can go and get medicine from a doctor to see healing. They don't even believe demons exist, except it's in a horror film. So casting out demons, unless they see it happen. We have a supernatural God, friends. And we are a supernatural people, so we should accept, expect supernatural things. But here's the rub. When you're born, you can't just do supernatural things. I can't do a supernatural thing without the presence of God and without the gift of the Holy Spirit within me, right? Can anyone? And he's saying, eagerly desire these gifts because there's a supernatural God who's wanting to show a world that he exists and he's chosen you <laughs> to do it for him. But you can't do it without him. And you need these gifts. Speaking in tongues is one of the most odd things in the world. It goes against all our Western thought processes. You, you learn it, you teach it, you, you can replicate it. It's something that's all... It's nothing like that. Tongues is a gift of God. You start talking in tongues and someone's like, what are you doing? I'm talking in tongues, really? What's that? Well, it's a gift that God has given me. It's a, it's a language that God has given me so I can praise him and I can give him all glory and honor. And I don't have to know every English word to do that because I'm quite stunted in my English words. Most people, do you know, most people only know about 5,000 English words. Most people. If you're very clever and you've done PhDs, you know, like an Andy, you'd be about 15,000 English words. That's why sometimes we hear words on a Sunday we've never even heard of when Andy's preaching. It's, he's, he's a gift to us because he's explaining the dictionary a little bit more amongst other things. On average, they reckon it's about 10,000 words. Most of us have. 10,000. So when you're searching God on something and you're eagerly desiring God for something or you're, you're in spiritual warfare for something or whatever's going on in that moment in time and you're praying, you are not going to have enough English words for it, I'm sorry, or native tongue words for it. You're just not. You're not going to have the word that actually expresses what is deep down within you. And what God says is, do you know what? I'm going to give you a language so you can do that. I'm going to give you a language that is yours between you and me so that you can express these deep things within you 
It's a gift. And then, of course, fast forward to 2022, as we sit here now, we think, but it's weird. I don't want something that's weird. I don't want to think it's going to make me think, what, weird before God? You, you don't want to be weird before God? It's only between you and him. The, you know, the gift of tongues is primarily for you in your bedroom. It, it's for you in your prayer time. It's for you in your worship time. Do you know, I spend most of my day walking around speaking in tongues. When I'm not speaking to other people, I walk around the office. I walk around. I cycle home. I'm speaking in tongues. Why? Because I want to have that communication with God on a regular basis. Speaking in tongues is not freaky. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting that off now. I'm saying the devil has caused us to think that it's freaky and weird. It's not. It's communication with our God, one-to-one. And so if you've sat there, if you're sitting here today and you're thinking, do you know what? Do you know what? I've, I've wanted to speak in tongues, but I've kind of backed off it because I've, I've tried. It just sounds weird, and I don't know what people are going to think. Don't care what people are going to think. What does God think? You started a sentence once, and then you cut off because the devil went, you sound weird. God's waiting for the rest of that sentence. He's waiting for the rest of that sentence. Eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, and that includes tongues, friends. There's loads you can say. You can go to 1 Corinthians 14. There's some bits about that. But in the, in, in the kind of context of, of a church meeting, we can have tongues. We're allowed to have those, it says. They have to be interpreted because obviously we've just heard that if you speak in a tongue, someone needs to understand what that says. So it needs to have an interpretation. Someone needs to get just a word on interpretation. Interpretation isn't like when you're, when you're translating French or another language. You know, literally, from what I understand of that, you're kind of listening for the words and you're getting them connected and you're putting them through into your filter and then you're putting it out back in English. You're hearing the French, you're putting it through in English. You're hearing the French, you're putting it through in English. Trying to put the right, put it in the right. That's not what interpretation with tongues. That's not my experience of it anyway. When someone stands up and they give a tongue and I'm standing there and I'm thinking, man, this. Everything in my spirit is rising right now as if what I had just spoken in English in my own prayer has now been communicated in something that no one else understands. Oh, maybe I've got the interpretation for this tongue. It's a spiritual resonance. That's what interpretation is. It's a spiritual resonance. That when you're sitting there and you're hearing it, something in you is rising up and bubbling, going, I've got it, I know what he's saying. It's worship pours out of you in the language that you're in the congregation of. In this country, that would be probably English mainly. Interpretation isn't, oh, they've said that, I've learned that bit of that, that spiritual tongue before. I think I've got the word that that means. There's no dictionary. There aren't 15,000 words of tongues that you can now decipher. It's a spiritual resonance. I think, uh, where's Ed playing drums this morning? Where are you, Ed? I saw you, there you are. Ed regularly used this gift back in the day. If there was a tongue, he would often bob up. Ed, am I, am I kind of explaining the interpretation thing quite well? It's that kind of, just that, oh, it pours out. I, cannot st- I can't stand here and not pray it. But here's the rub. We do believe because of what's written, in 1 Corinthians 14, it will be Godward. Now, I know there are ones amongst you who have been in, uh, in different traditions of church, and you've, you've heard prophecy given as an interpretation of a tongue. Do you know what? I'm not here to box God. I'm not here to say that isn't what happened. Just saying here at RFC, our general understanding would be, and what we'd be looking for would be a Godward interpretation of that tongue. 
because of what Paul says here. We're not dismissing anything else. We're just saying from our understanding, this is where we would sit. How are we doing? How are we doing? Are we understanding tongues a little bit better? Some of you go, no, but I'm not going to put my hand up. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm in my notes. Here's the other thing about tongues, right? Here's the other thing about tongues. I think there's real spiritual battle with tongues. You know, all the things we've been through, COVID, you know, Ukraine, and all that's gone on with that. We're now in this whole thing around finances and, you know, the cost of living crisis. We've got a government that doesn't know whether it's in, out, up, down. That's not a political statement, I'm just saying. And we're in this turmoil that I think Liana, Liana she spoke about at the beginning. How are you going to pray about that? Just out of interest, how many of you have got like loads and loads of different things of ways of praying for that? I'm guessing you probably come up short after about two minutes. And thinking, I don't know what to say now. And, and they're at the front, and they're going, we're praying for Ukraine for five. I've done two. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> and you feel guilty, right? Because you feel like you should have, like a Richard Walker-esque. Uh, Richard Walker's one of our elders, if you don't know who he is. But he's an amazing prayer. I mean, he could pray for 10 minutes, and I'm just like going, I've just been preaching. This is incredible. This is amazing. He must have converted. I can't do that. So what do I do? I go to tongue. I'm not being lazy. I'm just recognizing I don't know. I know there's more, but I don't know what it is. So come on, spirit, help me here. Shut up. story. And you're away. Here's another thing on tongues, right? It's not something that just happens to you. Like people might say, well, are you just making it up? Yeah. I can't interpret that. I don't know what I just said. I'm not going to try. But. I know I can just speak in tongues when I need to. It's a tongue that he's given to me. It's not like, right, is it time for speaking in tongues time yet? Okay, let's just try. No, it's no tongues. Can't be any tongues because nothing happened. To speak in tongues, you've got to speak. You've got to utter. Your tongue's got to move. And as the air expels and your tongue is moving, something happens with your epiglottis and it starts something. Is it epiglottis, that little dangly bit at the back? And you start to talk and your, your vocal cords start to reverb. And all of a sudden, you, you are saying something, but you don't know what you're saying. I heard Terry Virgo speak on this. He said the first time he ever did it, he shut himself down. How many of us have done the same? I've, I've already pointed to it and reflected on it. But he said that he shut himself down because he thought, I, I'm making this up. I wonder how much a little child thinks they're making it up when they're just parroting or doing what someone else around them is saying. They don't. They own it. I know that. I've got three kids. They really own what they're saying, even if it isn't coming from them. Where, where did that phrase come from? I know where it came from. I said it. Ooh. It's often the ones they don't want you to repeat. You don't want them to repeat that they repeat, right? They're parroting, but they think it's theirs. I'm not asking you to stand up and parrot being said I'm saying be open to start talking to start doing something and trust that the spirit's going to meet that and then within moments you won't even think about am I, am I doing it right am I not you'll just be like I'm praising God this is amazing it's not something to fear it's something to desire okay I haven't even got to prophecy we're coming up for quarter two I want there to be time to 
to, to, to praise and worship and to speak in tongues and to do whatever God wants to do with us. Just to say prophecy is, is, is manward and it's God speaking to his people. Uh, we've heard it this morning, Leanna coming up speaking through and it's just him wanting to speak to us as a body through whoever is open to sharing that in a specific moment, in a specific time. You might not know if it's for you. That's why we say come to the front and just check it out with the people at the front. They've got generally a sense of where they think the meeting's going to go. Another thing on prophecy, if someone ever comes up to you and says, uh, I think you should marry me, okay, ignore that. That's not a prophecy. That's wishful thinking. <laughs> All right? Unless that's been tested by the body of Christ, okay? That's not prophetic. That's wishful thinking. All right? And, and if that happens to you, tell me who it is. I want to gently come and help that other person. <laughs> prophecy, it's only in part. We're not talking Old Testament prophecy here. We're not talk, t- talking, thus saith the Lord. This is why we need to be a community of the Spirit, because a community of the Spirit hears something of the prophetic, and then it weighs it together. And if the Spirit is really saying something, it will be, be something that comes up in two or three or four or five or six different places at different times through different people. And each one will have a different piece helping us understand the trajectory God has got us on. Prophecy can come as a word of encouragement or a word of wisdom. Do you know what encouragement is one of the best prophetic gifts that there is? And we despise it in the UK because we think, oh, you're flattering me. Uh, I've only, I, can only, I only encourage people. That's all I do, really. That's a gift of God. And it is prophetic because you're breathing life into someone and you are building that person up in a healthy way. The gift of encouragement is often misunderstood. It's not spoken about. But encouragement is a prophetic gift. It calls the best out of something, a situation, or someone. So if you know you've got the gift of encouragement, and I know many of you in this room have, use it amply, widely, in your workplace, wherever you find yourself, but use it in here as well with your brothers and sisters. I need to shut up. Are we good? If you've got more questions about prophecy and stuff like that, then um, ask Kat. She's really good at that stuff. (laughs) Kat, give us a wave. (laughs) You can come and see me. We can talk it through. It's not a problem. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here. Can we stand together? And if the band can just make their way up, that would be amazing. Don't play just yet, please, if that's okay. Thank you very much. You're wonderful, by the way, gift of encouragement. Spirit of God is here. And I want us to do something that is going to seem... No, no, I'm not even going to say it because I'm not going to even let the devil get a hold on this. We are going to speak in tongues together as a body with no music. Okay? Now, this is one of those moments. Paul isn't speaking against this when he says, if a tongue is brought publicly, it needs to be interpreted. Okay, otherwise that would be a lot of interpretation. It would be all day. This is a moment when the body of Christ comes together and we're just going to all together as one speak out our worship and our praise to God in a tongue that God has given to us that's not our native tongue. That's what we're going to do right now. Now, if you haven't yet received one of those tongues, this is now the safest place you're ever going to experience 
trying this gift out and going for it. Because no one's listening to you. Everyone else is doing it. And if you want to pick up on the person, that, you know, when, when we have prayer meetings, do you remember those days when we had prayer meetings and we were all in the room at the same time? They were amazing. <laughs> we have a prayer meeting on a, mon- on a Sunday evening at 8 o'clock. Don't we bless him on Zoom at the moment? But that's great. You're all invited. Um, we- <laughs> Spirit of God is here. I used to start praying the prayers of the people next to me because I found it helpful just to hear what they were saying. Was I copying their words? Yes. Was God happy that I was praying something? Yes. Right? And then I would get back into my own furrow and would pray my own thing again. It just helped me as I was praying. It's the same in this moment now. If you've never spoken in tongues, spoken in tongues, maybe you will just mimic the person next to you for a moment just to help you get something out of your mouth. You know, we are a very clever people. The Thames Valley is highly educated. Everything in our brain says we don't want to do this. God says, I don't care. Here's a gift. Because I care. Here's a gift. So I'm going to ask us now at the count of three just to lift our voices together in tongues we haven't learned so that we can now speak to our God in heaven. Tell him how wonderful he is. Don't have to disengage your brain. Just tell him how wonderful he is. And you know that's the furrow that you're on as you're praying. Let's, Let's do that together now. So one, two.